This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Today, I'm going to uh, address a topic that I don't think I've ever addressed fully in a message. In fact, I've not in my lifetime heard too many messages about this, but it is something that is very, a very real issue, something that all of us on some level are dealing with, or we know people that are dealing with it. And it's something that the church has been silent on for a long time. The issue is mental health. I was looking this week, and in the last couple of years, there have been some drastic changes that are measurable and that are known, and sometimes we, we feel or we sense, hey, things seem to be getting worse in this area, but we don't really know the facts. In the last couple of years, as of the last couple of years now, one in four adults in the United States suffers from a diagnosable mental health issue, one in four. 37% of 12 to 17-year-olds battle persistent sadness or hopelessness. That is up from 18% two years ago. One in five 12 to 17-year-olds have seriously considered attempting suicide. One in four 18 to 24-year-olds have dealt with or are dealing with suicidal thoughts. Over the last two years alone, Depression and anxiety and suicide rates have dramatically increased. Mental health-related visits to the doctor for 5 to 11-year-olds have increased by 24%. Mental health-related visits to the doctor for 12 to 17-year-olds have increased by 31%. And more than ever, people are showing up to work, coming home to families, walking onto ball fields and attending church with a smile on their face, but a dark battle inside in their lives. More and more people are feeling like it's just too much. And as a pastor, I'm somebody that gets the phone call when life goes really bad. And more and more there are people grappling and wrestling with what to do with this. And I've noticed, I mean, I don't know how you grew up in the context of your life. I grew up in Texas where you rub some dirt on it and go on with life. Like, it's going to be okay. Whatever happened, you just power through. But one of the things I'm coming to understand, and I get it, I'm coming late to the party, but one of the things I'm coming to understand is there are some things you don't just power through. And there's some things that if you don't deal with and process in a healthy way, they can erode the quality of life, how you feel about life, and even who you are. So if you're here this morning, and you're struggling with some things as it relates to mental health, you're not alone. It also does not mean you're any less of a follower of Jesus if you're a Christ follower, Because that's your battle. For so long, the church has told people, if you're wrestling with these things, just just read your Bible and pray, and it'll all be all right. Now, 
understand, if you're a guest this morning, you need to know, I have an extremely high, we as C3 have an extremely high opinion of the Word of God. In fact, we believe the Bible is actually the Word of God. We believe it doesn't have any error. We believe it's complete truth. We believe it's God's Word, not just for us, but to us. And we believe all the foundation of life is founded on what Scripture teaches. But there has been this mentality, this thought in church among followers of Jesus that if you just invite Jesus to come into your life, your life will be transformed and Jesus fixes everything. He'll he'll just take care of everything. And while that is a true statement, absolutely, it's an incomplete truth. Because the moment Jesus comes into your life, the idea that he's going to fix everything, ultimately he will. But when you say, hey, Jesus, please come into my life, forgive my sin, I want you to be my Lord, as best I know how I commit my life to you, when that prayer is over, you don't say in Jesus' name, open your eyes, and you have a six-pack. Like when that prayer is over, you don't go check your credit score, and all of a sudden it's perfect. Like we've bought into this philosophy that, oh, man, Jesus fixes everything right now, but it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily true. When you invited Jesus to come into your life, your hair did not get thicker and your thighs get thinner. Hashtag blessed. That that didn't happen in your life. Now, the biggest things are shifted in your life. I mean, there's nothing greater than, nothing more powerful than, and nothing that creates more of an opportunity for your life today and into the future than being a follower of Christ and having the Spirit of God living in your life. But if you're here and you wrestle with, you you battle mental health issues, It doesn't mean that you're less loved by God. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. It just means that that's your battle. And it doesn't mean that you don't really know Jesus. When you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean you'll be instantly mentally healthy. Now, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I am not an expert, I am a pastor. And so I want to focus this morning on the spiritual aspect of our mental health and some things that we need to understand as followers of Jesus. Your mental health, someone has said, includes your emotional, psychological, and social well-being. But the thing about these three things is they are often changing. And in different seasons of life, you, you can feel strong or healthy in some areas and not as strong or not as healthy in other areas. Often when we speak about mental health, we, we create a slice of demographic of people that are wrestling with issues on a deeper level. But in reality, all of us are on a journey for mental health. Just like physical health, there are some people that you look at and you say, oh, they got to be healthy. And you have no idea. They just have a skyrocketing metabolism. They eat donuts and crackers and chips all day. They they may look healthy on the outside, but on the inside, they're not. And, And so our physical health, our emotional health, our mental health, even our spiritual health, we are all on a journey. And you will find yourself somewhere on that journey. And maybe you're somebody that, that wrestles or battles with this to a significant degree. Or maybe you're somebody that it's not as significant. But all of us are impacted when we are not mentally healthy. It's our mental health that tells us how we, th- or how we think, tells us how we feel. 
It's our mental health that determines often our direction in life. It's our mental health that often determines the kind of friends we pull in close to us. It's our mental health that dictates how quickly or how long it takes to rebound or bounce back from trauma. And so this morning for the next few moments, I want to give you a basic, very basic foundation regarding our mental health from a biblical perspective. And here's what I'm praying. What I've been praying this week for this morning, what I'm praying even in this moments for this morning for you and for me. We find these words in 1 Thessalonians 5, which is my prayer. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body. That, that phrase is not accidental. In fact, I don't think there are any phrases in the Bible that are accidental. I think God means what he says and says what he means. And our God is a God, I, I think, that is holistic. Now, now by holistic, I, I don't mean what you choose to eat. I'm talking about, look, may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body, the wholeness of who we are as individuals, I think it matters to God, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The God of peace. God is my peace. God is your peace. And so I want to just very quickly talk about two myths that we have bought into as the church, two myths about mental health, two, two lies that we have sort of believed if, if you grew up in church. The first one is this, a follower of Jesus should not struggle with mental health. That is a myth. But as Christ followers, we've been told, you shouldn't be anxious. You should never be depressed. You shouldn't be burned out. And if you're dealing with one or more of these things, then the problem we've often said in church life is obvious. You, you don't have enough faith, or maybe you have too much sin. Maybe you don't pray enough, or maybe you're not praying the right way. Some of the most cruel things ever spoken have been spoken by people who say they love God. Some of the most inaccurate things that have ever been communicated have been communicated by people who say they love God. Listen, you can love Jesus and read your Bible every day and still battle depression. You can tithe, bring the first 10% of your income to the local church which Scripture talks about, and lift your hands during worship, living with crushing anxiety. Many of our heroes of the faith and Scripture, if you think about it and look at their lives, they, they, had, they lived lives of, of big faith with nagging doubts. Many of them battled and fought through mental issues. Elijah, after a tremendous victory, was so depressed, he wanted to die. David, King David, the man after God's own heart, Scripture tells us, on more than one occasion was in deep despair. Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, is known as the weeping process prophet. He was plagued with loneliness and insecurity. In fact, he cursed the day he was born. As a Christ follower, we're told that if you're depressed, if you're discouraged, if you're anxious, if you deal with or filled with self-doubt, you just need more God. You do. We all do. But you might also need more rest. It is possible you could need better friends. It could be true that you need to improve your nutrition. You may need to see a doctor because you have some hormone deficiency. Listen, when you... When you start to hit 50, none of your business, 
Things change. I mean, what can't grow up here grows out of here like a tree trunk. And there are things that you deal with, not just women, but men, hormonal issues that we deal with in life. You could have a chemical imbalance. You may need to talk to a counselor or a therapist for a season. Struggling with your mental health, battling mental health are some issues that sometimes for some people feel and seem and in their reality are debilitating. Does not mean you're not a good Christ follower. It means you're normal. It means you're human. So the fact that we've said many times as the church, a follower of Jesus should not struggle with mental health is not a true statement. It's a myth. There's another myth we've believed. Your mental health is not something God's really concerned about. I mean, with everything happening in the world, have you looked at the news? With everything happening all over the globe, from Ukraine to China, from India to Africa, what's happening in our nation, with everything that's happening, man, God has a lot on his hands, and he just, he just doesn't really care about your mental health. When I grew up in church, I grew up in a very uh, traditional kind of church. And I heard the statement all the time, God doesn't care about your happiness, he cares about your holiness. Now, I'm a father. We have four kids. I'm not a perfect father. And I deeply care about the happiness of my children. How much more does a perfect father care about our happiness and how we feel in life and what we're feeling? It does not mean God cares any less about our holiness. That is a big deal. So it's not that we need to diminish the value of holiness. It's that we need to understand that how we feel day by day, I believe, and I believe Scripture teaches, matters to God. You look at the Psalms. So many of the Psalms, Psalm 27, verse 1, that that shows how God is connected with our feelings and how we do life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If he did not care how we felt or what we were dealing with or what's happening and what we're processing, he would not draw in close in those seasons. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It literally means in the text to be overwhelmed to the point that you feel like your, your heart and your soul are nothing but powder and barely existing. Crushed in spirit. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. But sometimes, because of what we're dealing with in life, what we're processing and how we're processing, some verses feel like they don't apply to us. When you're battling issues, significant issues of mental health, it's very easy to start to feel like God has favorites and I'm not one of them. And you can start to look at your life and sometimes, sometimes, it appears to everybody else, you have a great marriage, you have great kids, you have a great job. You live in a great neighborhood. You have everything going for you. But they have no idea how crushed in spirit you are. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Over and over again in the book of Psalms, throughout the word of God, God cares so much about who we are and how we are. 
And any of these verses in Psalms, they, they could be your life verse. There's so many Psalms you'd want to put on a magnet or put on your, on your refrigerator or have on a coffee cup. But there's one Psalm you don't want. There's one you don't want. It was inspired by the Spirit of God, but written through Heman. Heman's a guy in the Old Testament that if you had known him, you, you want this guy as your friend. He is greatly respected. In 1 Kings chapter 4, we learn that he has unusual wisdom. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, we find out he's a great musician. In 1 Chronicles chapter 25, we find out that he is a committed parent, a solid parent, has a lot of kids and loves them deeply. In 1 Chronicles 25, we also learn that he served the king with excellence. So a guy who loves God, a guy who is an icon in the community, a guy who is well thought of and seems to have it all together, in Psalm 88 writes these words, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you, he's praying, it's a prayer he's writing, so he's talking to God, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care, Verse 13, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? God, I I don't want to feel like this. God, I'm trying with everything in me. And I'm, I'm losing the want to. God, I don't want to battle this day by day. Or... Father, please help me know how to help my son, my daughter. We've done everything we know to do. We take him to a therapist. We've read the books. There's a unique level of pain in the heart of a parent who's concerned for a child. Angie, my bride, has said often, you're never happier than your most unhappy child. If you've ever prayed those kind of prayers, you understand some of what Heman was feeling. But then to me, one of the, one of the darkest, one of the most difficult, in some ways one of the most haunting verses in all the Bible, is found in verse 18 where he prays, you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Some of you, you look like you have it all together. (laughs) Especially on Sundays. Because when you go to church, hey man, how are you? I'm good, I'm blessed. Like, we, you just had World War III in your car on the way to church, but something holy happens when you shut the door and you get out and you put on that church smile. Why is it that we lose complete authenticity when we show up with other people that are supposed to authentically love Jesus and us? Because we feel like, I, I get it, we feel like, I, I don't want to burden you, and, and if I say, oh, I'm not doing that good, man, I don't want to be that person that says that all the time, and people are like, oh, okay, and they bolt, like, How do we navigate this? But this verse, for some of you, maybe nobody knows. 
but you could have written this. God, it feel like, feels like people just keep walking away from me. It feels like, I mean, are, are you just taking people that could be friends out of my life? It feels like nobody gets me. Nobody understands what I'm dealing with. It, it, it feels like darkness is my closest friend. This, this is one of only two psalms in all the psalms, about 150, one of only two that doesn't have a positive ending. All the rest of them, there's some brutal honesty. King David is praying, he's talking to God. But toward the end of the psalm, each time he writes, there's this comeback. Okay, but you're God and you're good and I trust you and it's going to be okay. But this is one of two that ends. At a surface glance, hopeless. But you have to look deeper. Because there's something that we need to notice that is so easy to miss in what we just read. Did you see it in verse 13? But I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. In the middle of his darkness, he's still turning to light. He's clear about what he feels. He's clear about the pain that he's in. He's clear about his frustration with God, but he's still praying. There's still something in him. Maybe it's the smallest part of him that is still turning to God and hoping against hope that somehow maybe God is hearing, even though it feels like he isn't. Maybe God is aware, even though it seems like he's not. Maybe God can do something, even though I don't feel that he will. And if you can relate to the words of Heman, you need to understand that as dark as it seems, there's something inside you that's still turning to light. You're here. You're at church where you can be exposed to the truth of Scripture. You're here. That means even in your pain, even in your despair, there's part of you, maybe without even recognizing consciously of what you're doing, there's something inside you that's turning to, pressing into Jesus, to the light. Heman loved God. He served God. His life made a difference. He loved his kids. And God took time to write down his story in the scriptures. I think for two reasons. One, because God is not afraid of our honesty. God can handle everything you want to say to him on your worst day. God can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. He is a loving father. And when I say that word father, for some of you, it stings because you don't know what a loving father is. You didn't have that. But whatever your idea of a perfect father would be, whether you had one or not, multiply that by infinity, and that's who God is. A God that invites us to call him father, a God that is drawn in and leans into our pain and notices and is aware and cares. God understands that you may love him and question him at the same time. He understands that your worship does not always erase your struggle. And today, if you've ever felt like God didn't care, if you ever feel alone spiritually, if you ever wonder what's wrong with you, that you're dealing with and wrestling with and battling, and sometimes it feels like a battle for your existence, with different areas of mental health. If you've ever wondered about that, 
today, today, God is simply saying to you, I know. I'm aware. I love you. Because with all that's going on in the world, on a beautiful sunny day in Orlando, Florida, you came to church having no idea what God wanted to say to your heart. And he combined the message he wanted me to share with what's going on in your life to let you know he knows. He's aware. Perhaps he's saying some things that you already know, but you struggle to admit or you weren't sure where to turn. But some of you, honestly, lovingly, you need some help. You need help. To continue to do what you've been doing is not going to produce dramatic change in your life. You need help. I am a pastor. I am far from perfect. No amens from my family, please. I am far from perfect. And there are seasons in my life where I've talked to a Christian counselor, a therapist. Seasons in my life where I needed somebody to help me unwrap and unpack and deal with some things I was thinking and I was feeling. It's interesting if you go back and you look, our, our brains are developed over time from birth. Your brain begins to develop and begins to have new pathways. In fact, the brain makes thousands of simple connections called neural pathways. And in the first few years, it makes over one million neural connections every second. The brain is smart. The brain is efficient. It learns and it simplifies. The brain begins to think in patterns. So once you think a thought, it's easier to think that thought the next time. And then it's even easier the next time. When this kind of thing happens to you and your response in thought is this, it's easier for your response in thought to be that the next time and the next time and the next time. You quickly develop patterns in life. The brain says, oh yeah, when somebody says something like that to you, feel this way. When somebody treats you like this, feel this way. And we create those patterns for where more quickly that becomes our go-to mentally which is great news when you're healthy, but it's terrible news when you're not. So what is the first step? What's the first step in improving our mental health? Because remember, we're all on a journey of mental health. Some battling issues much deeper, much broader, much more difficult than others. But we're all on this journey. The first step I think we find in Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love, I love how God words things. Have you ever paid attention to the intentionality of our Father? You will keep in perfect peace, not occasional peace, not temporary peace, not circumstantial peace. Any of us can find that. You're, you're, you're really happy this morning if you're a big UCF fan. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, season's over. <laughs> That's what somebody's telling me this morning. But, but notice, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I just need to ask you a question. 
No matter who you are, no matter where you are in the journey of your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, it all, it all works together. It all matters to God. I, I need to ask you, where are your thoughts fixed? Are your thoughts fixed more on what you say to you about you than what God who created you says about you? Are your thoughts fixed more on CNN or Fox and what's happening in the world that drives your anxiety through the roof? Are your thoughts fixed on what's happening around you, Forbes or social media? Does that get more of your attention and more of your thoughts than Jesus and who he is and the life he offers? That word fixed in the language literally means to prop or to rest your full weight on an object. All of us can strengthen our mental health by fixing our thoughts on who Jesus is and by changing the neuropaths that have been created, and it changes how we think. Some of you, you need to develop new patterns in how you think about you. You need to develop new patterns in how you think about life. And the greatest way to do that, the first step, not a cure-all, not a fix everything, the first step, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Things like God is my source and God is my strength. Things like I have everything I need to do everything he's called me to do. So today can be a moment that creates a momentum of mental healing in your life. It doesn't all happen in a moment, but it certainly begins in a moment. The the process, the path to health. And through that process, I think it's important to remember. In John chapter 14, the words of Jesus, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not a peace, not some peace. Jesus says, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I'm not going to take it back. It's going to be everything I'm saying it is. It's not going to be over-exaggerated and then you live in a less than mentality with it. No, my peace I give you that is fully sufficient. And he says these words on the night, John chapter 14, before his suffering. Peace is not found in the absence of big problems. Peace is found in the presence of our loving God. So what's the next step? What do I do with this? Families, husbands, wives, parents. I want to encourage you today or sometime this week to have a very honest conversation with your spouse, with your kids as a family unit, single parents with with your kids. An honest question of how are you doing? You want to create an atmosphere in your home where it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. You want to be a listening ear and a fan of doing whatever you can be, you can do, to help the mental health of those that are struggling. Don't worry about what other people think. Have an honest conversation with the people who love you the most. And then you need to ask a question. What would the you of five years from now give the you of today a standing ovation for? I think you need to make an investment in yourself. Now, everything I'm about to say has two purposes. I want to honor God, and I want to share some thoughts with you 
with your best interest in mind, with your family's best interest in mind. I want to be brutally honest because I'm the guy that gets the call. I was standing outside of Timber Creek High School a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh, three or four years ago now, whenever it was, it was before COVID. And this man, I, I, I met him out in the breezeway. I could tell by the countenance of his face that he wasn't doing well. That told me he's probably not connected with church because in church we learn to fake it really good. Like you don't let that show. So I walked up to him and I started to have a conversation. He said, last night I was at Disney Springs. That's what he called it at that time. And I went to the top edge of the parking lot and I was going to jump. This guy had lost his entire family, felt completely alone. But he said, when I was standing there right before I jumped, I thought about how much I'd seen on Facebook about C3 Church. And I thought, I'm not going to jump. I'm going to go tomorrow. The guy under the breezeway gave his life to Jesus, moved shortly after that, but it matters. What, what, what matters? Make an investment in yourself with your time. You, you will not be, you will never live who God created you to live, who he created you to be. You will, just being honest, you will never do that with, with a, a, a once a month in church life. See, this whole thing, church, was God's idea. And I understand, like, I get it. Right now you're thinking, you're a pastor, you're supposed to say this stuff. No, I'm saying this stuff because I'm a pastor who's heard horror stories of people that if they would have made some tweaks and changed some things in their lives, that they could have had, like, think about church as a spiritual deposit that God makes in your life. You have an opportunity to get 45, 50 of those a year. Go on vacation, you're going to miss a few weeks during the year, that's fine. But 45 to 50 deposits in your life. What if you only get 10 deposits a year? What are you missing? Because somehow God said, hey, this whole thing, this whole thing called church, it matters. It's 60 minutes a week, unless I go over. It's 60 minutes a week. It leaves you 10,020 minutes beyond that during the week. How big a deal is it to God? The one who made us, the one who knows what we need? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. When you're not here, we miss you. When you're not here, you miss what God could do. And a casual, optional approach to faith will never give you the life that you want and the life that you were created to live. You, if, if, you, if you pop in and pop out, now listen, I'm, I'm glad you're here. If you're a Christer, you only come Christmas and Easter, I'm glad you're here. Like, that's awesome. But you would do you well. You owe it to yourself to consider, what, how could my life change if I just 60 minutes, still have 10,020 minutes a week left, came in and just let God make some kind of deposit in my life? How much more would I grow spiritually? And you take that 45 times a year over 10 years. You do the math, that's a lot or 10 times a year over 10 years. The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. Parents, I told our kids when they were younger, 
I love you so much I'm willing to have an awkward conversation. And I love you so much I'm willing to risk you being mad at me to tell you not what you want to hear but what you need to hear. And you get to decide what you do with it. Harvard released a study in 2019 that said children and teenagers who are consistently attending church, when they hit their 20s, they are happier and they live more fulfilled lives than those who don't. We go all out for our kids, and I get that. We'll do anything and everything to help our kids, and I get that. What I do not get is when when Sunday comes, I mean, we just read it in Hebrews, God's words, like Hebrews 10, verse 24. I, I wasn't sitting there this week thinking, how can I invent a Bible verse to help say what I want to say? Like, it's been in the book since before I was born. Church, the community of church, the spiritual family, when we gather together, which has been done since the church began in the book of Acts, there's something supernatural that happens that you and I miss out on when we're not here. And there's something supernatural that happens that our children miss out on when they're not here. And so every Sunday is an option to say, what am I going to worship today in my life? A bald field or Jesus? Now, there's nothing wrong with vacation. We need to take vacations. I'm, I'm a big believer, like vacation. But, but man, some of you, 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 you've got your kids playing all over the world, all over the place. They're on travel teams, and church is optional. And you're, you're teaching your children that there's something that matters more than God on Sunday. And nothing, nothing replaces what the church does in people's lives to build you spiritually, to build your kids spiritually, to teach them to lead their home in the future spiritually. Nothing does that except church. And every time you choose something else over bringing your kids to be a part of that, you're worshiping that over you're worshiping God. I love Emma Leathers is on our team. She plays guitar. She can play guitar, electric guitar. I don't know what else she can do. She's amazing. But... Barry, one of the pastors, you hear from him occasionally, uh, he is her dad, but when Emma was in high school, phenomenal soccer player, phenomenal soccer player, a and she was on some different teams, but she told them, hey, on Sundays, I'm at church. In fact, they gave her the nickname Chick-fil-A, closed on Sunday. Like, she, she was at church prioritizing who Jesus is in our lives. I, I just wonder, I just wonder, what would happen as we as parents who are Christ followers actually put Jesus first in our homes, with our kids, in our parenting? Oh, but you don't understand. He's so good, and I think, I think he's going to get a scholarship. I'm filtering about three comments that I shouldn't say. What college is today and where you think your kid has to go and I hear so many parents saying, I just want my child to have the college experience. Are you smoking crack? <laughs> I, I, I want to gift my kids a whole bunch of crap they've got to get over in life because of how stupid they were right now. That's what I want to do for my kids. I, I'm just saying, mom, dad, you've got to decide what comes first in your life. And it's not about what you say comes first. It's about what you show your kids and how you lead your kids and what comes first. And listen, I promise you, I'm saying this for your benefit. If you're coming here and you don't get anything out of this and you think there's another church that you could do better, dive in. If some other pastor has a better ability to help you be more consistent and more connected and come every single week, man, you go do that. Because I'm not trying to build an empire, I'm trying to build lives. And I want you to experience what God can do in your life when you actually put him first and you lead your home in that way. One of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to prioritize who God is in a tangible way of showing them this is who he is on Sunday and he comes first. Another thing you need to do for yourself as you make an investment in yourself, get some help. 
get help. It's not weak people who need help. Wise people get help. But what do you look for? I mean, when you look at counselors and therapists, what do you look for? I mean, there are some wackadoodle dudes out there. Just like there's some wackadoodle do pastors out there. Some wackadoodle, like I get it. Every single time somebody says, hey, can we meet? I, I will meet with you as your pastor. I do not counsel people. I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. Because everything in life comes down to really just three or four problems. And I can point it out in about 10 minutes and tell you how to fix it. But most people don't. And that frustrates the crap out of me. So I, I, I just don't, I, I don't do counseling. Plus, I'm not trained. And in the life of C3, we want you to get the best help you can get. And so we recommend Christian counselors. And here's why. I would not ever and will not ever send you to a counselor who's licensed and trained and has the education, but is not a Christ follower. Nor would I ever recommend or send you to someone who just says, read a verse in the Bible and pray, and they're a Christ follower, but they're not licensed and trained. I want you to get the best help possible. So you need to find somebody who's a Christ follower and has the education, the degrees, the licensing, that understands how the mind and the emotions and the the spirit, all of that works together because it does work together. That's how God created us. We want you to get the best help. So if you feel like, man, I need that, you can go to c3church.cc, what is it, resources? c3church.cc slash resources. And you will find there, just drop down, and you'll find a couple of counselors in Orlando, counseling practices that we often refer people to. And, and here's the thing about counseling. Some of you say, oh, I tried that once, it didn't work. Well, you tried dating, and the first person you broke up with, did you stop dating? You went to a restaurant you didn't like one time, did you stop, did you stop eating, stop going to a restaurant? Listen, view counseling in the beginning like dating. We're going to go on this date, and you know what? I just don't feel the connection with this there. I don't, I don't feel like it's there. I'm going, to, I'm going to try somebody else. And you keep trying different counselors until you find the one that connects with you. But please, please, please be selective in who you allow to influence you. And make sure they're not only qualified, but that they're a Christ follower. Now, there are a couple of objections people often say. Man, I, I don't really want to do that. Sometimes the thing we want to do the least is the thing that will help us the most, especially if you're in a place where you're struggling with your mental health. And I get a lot of what I'm talking about this morning. Your reaction is going to be, I I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. You're oversimplifying the issue. And please hear me. Please hear me. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not in any way saying that what you're feeling is not valid and not important. I'm saying because it is you've lived with this for this amount of time, there is a way out and there is a way that you can be helped through a process. And I don't want you to stay in a place of hurting. I don't want you to be in a place of that kind of dark struggle. And so to say, I don't want to do that, man, your life, the life you're living right now is perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting. If you want different results, you got to change some things. And you may need to be strong enough and wise enough to say, I need some help. Another objection people have is, oh, I can't afford it. I don't think I can afford that. Well, take out your latest version of the iPhone and jump online. and go. I mean, I mean seriously? 
You know, for a lot of us, here, here's the reality that we don't like. I understand gas is about a billion dollars a gallon right now. I'm thinking about buying a bike. I, I, I get it. I mean, I understand avocados used to be $4.99, another $9.99. Like, the world has gone crazy. This is stupid. Not that hard to fix, but that's a different message. But, but it, 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 we passed ridiculous a long time ago. I get that life is more expensive. But here, here's the reality. You and I afford what we want to afford. You want to buy the new house, you're going to figure out a way. And sometimes the door shuts, but you're going to keep pounding that until you get something. You, you need to get a car, you figure it out. You need to get a phone, you figure it out. Maybe you need to put less of an investment on things that will not build your future and more of an investment on what will. Most counselors take insurance. Christian counselors often charge on what they call a sliding scale. And you, you disclose kind of your financial situation to them. It's confidential, and they might charge you less. But... If, you, if you're struggling in the area of mental health and you say, I, I can't afford it, hey, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to. Let me give you one more, the final one. Get into biblical community. You need to get into biblical community. The darker the season you're in, the more you'll want to isolate, the more you'll want to withdraw. And that's the very thing that is the most unhelpful and unhealthy for you to do. God created us to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with other people. But what determines often the quality of life and so often the quality of our mental health is who the closest people to us are. It's one of the reasons we have community groups in the life of C3. You and I were designed for, created for, and desperately need biblical community. You need to have some people in your life that love Jesus and love you. You might have some people that love you, but if they don't love Jesus, there's going to be some bad advice, well-meaning, but bad advice, and they don't know how to pray for you. You need some people that love Jesus and love you, will pray for you, will be there with you when life knocks you down. And listen, life knocks you down. Just because you've become a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you're somehow exempt from being blown up by life or blowing up your own life. But as a follower of Jesus, one of the things God often uses is people to help restore and encourage people. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is John chapter 11, where Jesus goes to this tomb and he calls Lazarus back from the dead. Lazarus has been dead. Jesus brings him back to life. But then Jesus turns to the crowd and he says to the crowd, take the grave clothes off of him. Literally, that's all we do as Christ followers. That's what we do as a church. We are in the business of when Jesus changes somebody, we help take the grave clothes off. You don't have to live with your baggage. You don't have to live in shame of what happened in the past. We're going to take the dead stuff off of you so that you can live a life and enjoy life and be fulfilled in life with a God who deeply loves you, and so do we. We do not expect perfection out of people because none of us are perfect. You need to be in biblical community, which will help you elevate the kind of friends you have. So this week, have a conversation with your family. Have a conversation with a close friend. Be very honest about where you are and how you're doing. Determine right now, I'm not going to let anything that's good in the future rob me from what's best. I want to prioritize being a part of church on Sunday. I want to talk to somebody and get some help. I want to dive into biblical community. And I want to see what God does. I mean, you've tried everything else. Why not try what I've seen work for decades over and over again in people's lives? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for how deeply you care about each and every one of us. And I thank you for every single person in this room. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today. 
and maybe you're battling some things with your mental health or, or maybe it's something else, but deep down inside, you know that the greatest need you have is to know God in a personal way, to commit your life to Jesus, the one who offers to live inside you, to forgive your sin, to give you a home in heaven after this life, but to walk with you day by day in this life. The only one who can really bring hope and healing. Apart from Jesus, you don't find that. So today, if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, I'd love to lead you in a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of the moment, just in your heart. But if you'd like to take that step, just say, Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.